Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. Bringing you our second deep dive for June. Wild Things. <laughs> That's correct. Wild Things. <laughs> While we normally cover, you know, full-on gay horror movies for Pride Month, there's something deliciously homoerotic about Wild Things, and it certainly fit with our lesbian theme this June, so... Also, let's face it, gay horror films are a little thin on the ground. That's right. <laughs> and we got to parse them out throughout the years, so <laughs> give us a goddamn break. we got to take male full frontal nudity when we can get it, so, I mean, here right. we are. <laughs> here we are. There's lesbian kisses and full frontal male nudity, so this is the best we can scrape that bottom of the barrel with. <laughs> Plus a fun movie to talk about, so... It mm-hmm. is. Wild Things is a 1998 American neo-noir crime thriller film directed by John McNaughton and written by Stephen Peters with a score by George S. Clinton. The film stars Matt Dillon, Nev Campbell, Kevin Bacon and his penis, Denise Richards, and Bill Murray. The story focuses on a South Florida high school counselor accused of rape by two students, but a police officer investigating the events think there's something more going on. The film gained notoriety for its sex scenes, including a scene of lesbianism and a threesome, as well as a certain full frontal male shot. Many felt that these were more explicit than most seen in mainstream movies of the time. And it was true. That's right, it is. Mm-hmm. Explicit with a capital E, with a capital X. <laughs> well, Robert, you skanky bitch. Excuse me. <laughs> you skanky bitch. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> this is Wild Things. We come to the halfway point of our senior seminars. Our guests today come from the Blue Bay Police Department. Why don't we begin with a question? What is a sex crime? Not getting any. Welcome to the town of Blue Bay. Hi, Mr. Lombardo. Hey, girls. So where's your hose, Mr. Lombardo? Where innocence can seduce. He started rubbing my shoulders. Accusations can destroy. I'm innocent. You guys do sex crimes, right? When was this that Sam Lombardo gave you the ride? Did Sam Lombardo rape you? Yeah, okay, he did. He pushed me to the floor. And appearances can deceive. Kelly said that we should do this to hurt Mr. Lombardo. She found out that Mr. Lombardo was in love with her mom, and that was it. You skate! You know how my mom's paying you off? She's breaking my trust. We bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Now they're getting away with $8 million of Sandra Van Ryan's money. You want my gut? There's more to this story than you know. After tonight, three of us not to be seen together again. After tonight? I was curious about how you see things working out for you and Sam and Susie. Excuse me? I mean, it's hard enough for one person to keep a secret, let alone three. Especially when two of them are in love. You don't really think Kelly and Sam are going to share that money with you, do you? Leave me alone. There is no case. Get out of these people's lives. Sam, I'm really nervous. I need you to be there for me tonight. We gotta stick to the plan. There's no one to trust. You can trust me. I'd keep a real close eye on my new friends if I were you. She's gonna blow it. Don't touch me. 
things. Two's company, three's a crowd. Can I play two? Or is it just for boys? Miami Area High School Guidance Counselor and Educator of the Year Award winner Sam Lombardo, played by Matt Dillon, is well-liked and sometimes lusted after by the students of Blue Bay High until he's accused of rape by two students, wealthy and popular Kelly Van Ryan, Denise Richards, and the poor outcast Susie Toller, Nev Campbell. Kelly's mother and former lover of Sam's, Sandra, played by Teresa Russell, uses her money and influence to help throw the book at Sam. Although in truth, she may just be a little jealous versus actually concerned for her daughter. During the investigation, Sam hires shopping mall lawyer Kenneth Bowden, played by Bill Murray, to defend him. During the trial, Susie admits to working with Kelly to frame Sam for revenge. Susie for him not bailing her out of jail and Kelly for fucking her mom. Sam and Kenneth negotiate a $8.5 million settlement for defamation, but Sam's life at Blue Bay is ruined. He clears out his desk, heads to a sleazy motel, and is joined by Kelly, ready to pop bottles. What a twist. You see, Kelly was in on it all the time. Before they can uncork that champagne, Susie appears. What a twist. You see, Susie was in on it all the time. The three celebrate their newfound wealth with a barely legal threesome and agree that, after that night, they will never be seen together again. One of the detectives assigned to the rape case, Ray Duquette, played by Kevin Bacon and his penis, thinks that the trio is up to no good and, against the wishes of the district attorney, continues to investigate Sam and the girls. Susie panics and goes to Kelly for comfort. Kelly, however, calls Sam and explains they may have to get rid of Susie before she spills the beans. Later, in a pool, Susie attacks Kelly when she thinks they're plotting to kill her. They fight for a minute, but eventually end up kissing, while Ray and his camera and his penis watches from the bushes. The next day, both girls receive an introductory Home Depot gift card in the mail. <laughs> oh, you didn't read my edits? No. A few nights later, Sam murders Susie with a wine bottle while Kelly waits nearby. They dispose of her body in the swamp. Ray and his partner Gloria, played by Daphne Rubin Vega, begin to investigate Susie's disappearance. Her blood and some teeth are found at the beach, and her car is later found at the bus terminal. The DA again insists they drop the case, but he asks Gloria to keep an eye on Sam. Fearing Sam is the killer, Ray goes to Kelly's house. As he enters, a confrontation ensues, and three gunshots are heard. Ray staggers out of the house injured, but alive. Kelly, however, has ceased to be. Ray claims that he had to kill Kelly in self-defense as she opened fire on him. Kelly's Home Depot gift card balance transfer. 
versus Susie. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sam is spending some time at a resort and he comes to his hotel room to find Ray and his dick. What a twist. You see, Ray was in on it all the time. The two go sailing in the ocean, and while Sam attempts to show Ray the way around his boat, knocks him overboard. He climbs back, but Susie, very much alive and blonde, shoots Ray with a spear gun, the film flamers' weapon of choice. He falls off the boat, and his body disappears into the waves. Sam relaxes while Susie serves him a cocktail. She quizzes him about the death of Helios, revealing that she has poisoned him. She knocks him overboard with a wayward sail and guides the ship back to shore alone. The... But wait! Oh. There's more. A series of end credit flashbacks explains everything. Susie had devised the whole scheme. She blackmails Sam into being part of her plot with steamy photos of he and Kelly having underage kinky sex. She later encouraged Sam to befriend Detective Ray, making him an unknowing accomplice to her plans. Ray, of course killed Kelly by shooting her and then using her hand to shoot himself. Sam's lawyer, Kenneth, delivers cash and a check to Susie. You see, Kenneth was in on it all the time. And those teeth the police found on the beach? Susie just ripped those out herself with some rusty pliers like a badass. As it turns out, Susie's a motherfucking genius with a 200 IQ. You see, if she put her mind to it, she could do anything. Even end this synopsis. <laughs> the end. I hope so. <laughs> <sighs> this movie is what must have been what inspired M. Night Shyamalan to start a career. I read the synopsis to my husband last night and he was like, Who directed this? M. Night Shyamalan? And I was just like, No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah to be fair it's a little bit more complicated than our synopsis yeah. they weren't all in on it at the same time they all kind of injured at different times mm -hmm. and which was actually really confusing to everyone involved making the film too <laughs> so, <laughs> really but we'll uh we'll get into that a little bit later <laughs> wild things was released on march 20th 1998 it earned 9.5 million opening weekend securing the number four spot at the box office behind titanic Primary Colors, and The Man in the Iron Mask. The film would continue to fall on the box office in the coming weeks. Oh my god, that's two, two How, movies did, for Leo DiCaprio. Did Man in the Iron Mask and Titanic come out at the same time? Um, I mean, Titanic came out in the holiday season and was on in the box office for like ever. And, oh, yeah. and then Man in the Iron Mask came out in the spring. So Leo was having yeah, a both are, yeah. good, good year for him. Yeah. Ultimately, Wild Things would earn a little more than $30 million domestically with a global total of $67.2 against a reported budget of $20 million. So pretty successful. Yeah, I would say. That's more than three times the budget. Mm -hmm. Wild Things has a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 53%. The site's consensus reads, Wild Things is a delightfully salacious, flesh-exposed romp that also requires a high degree of love for trash cinema. <laughs> Audiences pulled by cinema score gave the film a grade of C plus. I like it when people call things a romp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Roger Ebert gave the film three stars, praising McNaughton's direction and the plot twists. He described it as lurid trash, with the plot so twisted they're still explaining it during the closing titles. It's like a three-way collision. <laughs> I see what you did there. It's like a three-way collision between a softcore sex film, a soap opera, and a B-grade noir. 
I liked it. <laughs> I love that review. Gene Siskel, of course, gave the film a marginal recommendation. Janet Mieslin of the New York Times praised Campbell and Richard's performances and also McNaughton's direction for adding a decadent gloss to this far-fetched quintuple-crossing tale, although she criticized the plot for being, quote-unquote, loony. <laughs> Two different critics from the Washington Post reviewed the film. Destin Howell described the film as clearly a crock and said it may not have a single redeeming feature, but it doesn't have a dull moment either. Stephen Hunter called Wild Things as tawdry as someone else's lingerie, yet not without a certain prurient watchability. Prurient? Well. Oh, no. Throwing out those, like, <laughs> ding, 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 you win a $5 words, sir. My God. I actually had to look that word up because so I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> so. I did too. <laughs> Thank God, because I wasn't going to say that during the recording, but it felt like it was apparently it was like sex obsessed. Yeah, or so. like encouraging people to be obsessed, like sex obsessed. And I was just like, oh, new word. I'm going to use that in a sentence tomorrow. My God, you have a Dickensian proclivity for that prurient <laughs> watchability. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out at work and see if people like respond. <laughs> yes, that prurient. Yes, prurient. <laughs> anyway. So there is some accolades or potential accolades at the Saturn Awards. It was nominated for Best Music by George Clinton, but it lost to John Carpenter for Vampires. At the MTV Movie Awards, it was nominated for Best Kiss with Matt Dillon, Denise Richards, and Nev Campbell as the nominees. I wonder who won. Yeah, I don't know. I probably should look that up. At the Stinker Awards, I guess the poor man's raspberries, Mm -hmm. it was nominated for Worst Supporting Actress, Nev Campbell. Not Denise Richards? I know. I was shocked. (laughs) and appalled my former employer blockbuster entertainment awards won for best supporting actress suspense for daphne rubin vega well deserved yeah i agree Mm -hmm. three sequels were released straight to video wild things 2 from 2004 wild things diamonds in the rough from 2005 (laughs) and wild things foursome 2010 (laughs) yikes the Seagulls recycled much of the plot, dialogue, and direction of the first film, just with different actors. However, all of the films take place in Blue Bay, because of course they do. <laughs> what a tawdry town. A town as tawdry as someone else's lingerie. <laughs> in 2006, the producers of the film wanted to develop a spiritual successor called Backstabbers. John McNaughton was again set to direct, with Richards and Campbell starring. But alas, the film was never to be. And that's fine, because this is all it really needs to be. And it kind of shot its wads so to speak (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure a lot of people Mm. shot their what but there's a lot of things to talk about with this film starting with it's just stacked cast yes my god the cast is phenomenal actually (laughs) yeah starting with kevin bacon and his penis yeah i i mean i like kevin bacon i do i can't lie i even like fucking hollow man you know, so he's always good. I mean, I, I don't think he was not interchangeable here, but I thought he did a good job. I thought he he played it well. He makes you, you know, like him and hate him in equal in equal turns in this film. But his penis making a cameo was kind of shocking to me when I saw this, like for the first time. And I've only seen this movie two times, you know, same. Yeah, it took me back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, back when I was a, a teenager watching this, I was like, oh, my God, Kevin Bacon's dick. 
you know? And then when I watched it, you know, last weekend, I was like, oh my God, that's Kevin Bacon's dick. <laughs> so, I mean, either way, it just works for me, I guess. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously rounding out the cast is, well, like, we're not even rounding it out. We're adding Matt Dillon and Nev Campbell and Denise Richards. You know, Nev Campbell was trying to to get into this as kind of getting out of the party of five. She, you know, she was just kind of scored, you know, Scream and Craft and all this kind of at the same time. You know, and I think this was kind of her first, maybe filmed first from what she's quoted as saying, at least. And she just kind of wanted to break out of that kind of that innocence and, and, and try something new. And she thought the script was interesting. Uh, similar stories for the other the other cast members. Matt Dillon, of course, from 90210 and earlier in the decade. And then Denise Richards, who the only other thing I knew her from the 90s from was Starship Troopers that also came out that year or the next. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I can sort of like pinpoint these actors from some other roles when this movie came out, but um, there was a whole lot of that going around at the time. I mean, we just talked about disturbing behavior with Katie Holmes trying to do something a little bit more edgy than her character from Dustin's Creek. Razor. Yeah, she mm-hmm. was very Razor in that. We were pining for Nev Campbell in that film. Yeah, and I think that we can sort of like base a lot of this on that too i think nev campbell does a good job when she's playing an outcast like this although she seems very non-threatening right like she stands up at that one moment in the assembly and she's like these are a bunch of assholes or whatever and i'm like <laughs> she's the most non-threatening like threatening person ever so, I mean. well what makes it all work is that she was playing a role true you know and she's, you know, who knows who she really is. And I think that's really fascinating about this film. But we can get into that later as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we have Teresa Russell <laughs> as Denise Richards uh, or Kelly's mother, Sandra Van Ryan. God, speaking of softcore, really. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and then like a surprising favorite for me in this film is uh, actually Detective uh, Perez, who's played by Daphne Rubin Vega. I thought she was excellent. She's like the only sane person in the entire movie. Right. I mean, like, in a movie that has a bunch of unlikable characters, you know what I mean? Like, she really just stands out as very likable. And, I mean, whoever styled this movie, like, made her super fucking chic. Like, late 90s chic. I was just, like, in love with the clothes she was wearing. Her fucking hair was amazing. I was just like, this character is everything. So yeah. now, Even Matt was like... That cop is really put together well. I mean, for real. <laughs> she looked fantastic. And then, of course, the surprise of the film was Bill Murray for me. First thing, because he was like, even like Matt was, wasn't expecting. It. He wasn't paying attention to the credits, I guess. And when he finally saw Bill Murray, he's like, hey, that's, hey, that's that guy. That's Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray is also like really good in this movie. And this was the same year that Rushmore came out. Right. Do you remember that film? No. And he, I mean, was super playing against type in in that movie. And I feel like in this one too, kind of, I mean, he's there for some sort of comic relief, but in a darker way. So he's Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah. And of course we also have Eduardo Yanez as uh, Frankie Kondo, which is kind of like, I guess the pool boy, the fuck boy yeah. for, for Sandra Van Ryan. And um, then Robert Wagner, who's always just a joy to see. He was in all three Austin power movies is kind of like, the number two guy or whatever and he's just like this he's got this like cavalier kind of way of talking that's super douchey <laughs> that's what they hired him to do and he's just super great in this movie too he's enjoyable yeah i mean i i totally forgot that he was in this movie and then watching it i was just like man he delivers lines well like a seasoned actor you know <laughs> you're through in this town buddy don't fuck with my daughter or whatever i mean like i'm paraphrasing obviously but like 
<laughs> yeah. His yeah. life was ruined. <laughs> ruined. Completely. You know, obviously this is a, a very stacked cast. And I think well cast, honestly. Some of them were kind of interchangeable, but you know, if I look at this as a whole with as like an ensemble, I feel like everyone was just really, really well cast and cast well as a group. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And like, you know, we'll get into this a little later when we talk about ratings, but um after I watched the movie just a couple days ago. I was really thinking about it a lot, as I do oftentimes when I watch a film, especially for the podcast. And I was just like, God, the cast is super stacked. They all did a, a good job. I wouldn't even say serviceable. I think like the cast is by and largely really good, you know, yeah. at what they're doing in this movie. And um, I think that's pretty incredible for a film that is sort of like written as trash, essentially. You know what I mean? It's what people yeah. describe it as, you know? And I think if you're going to make a movie that has the kind of plot that this does and has some of the scenes that this does, you really have to have like a really great ensemble to pull it off. And I think that this cast really does that like in spades. And I think, yeah. And I think part of that is the direction, which several reviewers have mentioned before. And the fact that they all had to take their time to understand at what time did they know things in the plot so they could act, you know, at least under the surface, like they were lying or that they were trying to hide something or this or that, because it's not super clear to the audience. It super surely wasn't clear to them. And so they would, you know, sit around and try and figure this stuff out. And so they had a lot of prep time to do that too. And I think that it, it kind of worked well. You can tell that they were all kind of knowing, you know, every, and, and, and everyone kind of has the tongue in their cheek, yeah, really firmly placed in their cheek. And there's something that's different. Like we just covered a 1998 movie over on Patreon called disturbing behavior. And that film does strike a tone, but it's super inconsistent as far as how seriously it takes itself. Yeah. It's so it's so dumb, and yet it takes itself way too seriously. This movie knows what it is. It knows it's trash, and it loves that about itself, and it just runs with it, and everything's just tongue-in-cheek, and that's what I get from it personally. It knows itself. It strikes that razor's edge of a tone, and it just runs with it, and it has a lot of fun because it knows it's trash. <laughs> yeah no i mean i agree with you i i think i made a note that said something like this is like if cinemax and like fox soap dramas had a baby right like wild things is what it is you know it's like miami vice the suburbs <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean like the 90s were like rife with sex thrillers right some better than others right but i when i look back at that decade and i think about like you know quote-unquote suspense movies right they're all really good like sex thrillers you know and we've mentioned these things before mm -hmm. in the podcast when we cover things like you know fatal attraction right and i think that we're getting to the to the end of the 90s when wild things comes out and they have to push that boundary just a little bit more right to make it a little bit more of a sexy sex thriller and it just i mean it it works it almost feels like a verhoven movie in a way yeah um <laughs> and i i do feel feel like compared to those movies that you just mentioned especially like fatal attraction this does feel like one of those leap movies that are leaping us into the next decade you know what i mean it feels super modern for a 1998 movie oh my god for you sure know, just like uh like clueless or something like that 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 came around that time that kind of launches us into the, a new style of modern filmmaking and this is just one of those like zeitgeist movies that kind of propelled us forward well, and I kind of feel like this is sort of the last hurrah when it comes to like sex suspense movies or sex thrillers, right? Yeah. Because I feel like the 90s, like we said, had a lot of them. And then it beat that dead horse into Chucky's life. For real. And then it got into like, 
by the time we got to the mid 2000s everything seemed so fucking i don't know like prudish and we were just not making movies that were as tawdry as this one you know or as explicit and mm-hmm. it was sort of like signaling like you know this is the end of this kind of movie and i i, I kind of hope that we get back to it you know kind of an anomaly even yeah. in at its own time really yeah because it, it, they're right. I mean, those reviewers are right. It's way more explicit than a lot of these movies were. We think about things like Basic Instinct, which, you know, Sharon Stone, like murdering people with ice picks while having sex and, and crossing and uncrossing her legs. And comparatively, that's really fucking tame to what Wild Things is <laughs> in certain points. You know? It has a Dickensian proclivity compared to this film. <laughs> 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 it's less prurient <laughs> I don't yeah. know but um, yeah I think the direction was really good in this movie and um, John McNaughton uh, one of his first films was a movie called Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer right so it's sort of mm-hmm. his like you know gift to the horror community and it's a really difficult watch have you seen that one? no yeah it's it's really gritty very realistic and he sort of like takes a lot of cues from real life serial killers like Henry Lucas and Otis Toole and things like that. And I mean, it's a really sort of disturbing film. Nothing like Wild Things. Like his, yeah. his directorial abilities are great. If he can just do two different kinds of movies like this and really keep it on the rails. And a, a lot of people love Henry. I think it's a good movie. I think it's certainly worth a watch. You know what I mean? But like, I've heard that it's discussed a lot as far as like in the critic critical community and it just goes to show how intentional the tone for this movie was yes and i agree and i I think that i think he's really good at that i think he's really good at intentional tone because even henry doesn't waver from the tone that it creates and i think that wild things does the exact same thing it starts in a way and it's the same way throughout the entire movie and assisting with that tone was obviously the very heavy lifting score by george s clinton because that goofy softcore seedy swampy porn music score that has just a hint of threat and darkness into it is so unique and i love it and i need to listen to it more by itself because i just remembered it exploded in my brain when i first was watching this again and then i was like listening to the trailer and then i started pulling up the music and it's and i noticed the music while i was watching this and it's it's super unique and interesting and that's all those things goofy softcore porn seedy swampy (laughs) It's all those things and it's doing a lot of heavy lifting for this tone. No, you're right. I um I, I didn't remember the score from this movie when I watched it the first time, and so it was like hearing it for the first time. And the like the opening of this movie with those those notes, right? I was just like, oh my god, this is like taking me back to my like sneak up and watch Cinemax yeah. days. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like this is some red shoe diaries kind of shit, and I'm okay yeah. with it. I was just <laughs> like, yeah, I thought the music was great. George Clinton, though, I mean, like, he's super talented, an amazing musician, and I just love it. I, I, I did enjoy the score a lot. Well, it's also got this killer soundtrack, kind of reminiscent of um, Disturbing Behavior. Yeah. You know, all those late 90s films uh, that you love the soundtracks for, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer and things like that. This has got Semi-Charmed Life from Third Eye Blind, Why Can't We Be Friends by Smash Mouth, Not an Addict by Kay's Choice, mm. always a wonderful song to put in any score. Always. Um, you know, I think they even used that on Buffy or, or one of Kay's Choice songs. They did. And then there's other bands that they use, like The Miracles, Barry White, Barry White even, Sugar Ray, Transistor, Iggy Pop, Morphine, Lauren Christie. <gasps> this is a packed uh, soundtrack. Oh my god, I love Lauren uh, Christie. For this film. Yeah, so it's just it's, it's great to listen to. Um, and they've got some like Bossa Nova stuff, like some Latin music going on in there. And 
It's interesting. I wonder if I owned this soundtrack when I was younger. If I pulled out my CDs, it could be a part of it. You know what I mean? Because this seems pretty. It seems like the soundtrack I would have bought, even though I probably owned all those songs on other CDs anyway. You know, it's just like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was a soundtrack nut. I mean, I just, it was before the days of like making my own mix CDs, right? Yeah. So I had to have those soundtracks for sure. Well, let's talk about some of the standout scenes in this movie. Okay. Well, it opens with the high school, right? And so we kind of have a slow push in through the swamp and then we see the high school. It's like right on the freaking ocean. Yes. Oh my God. I was, I was so floored by this because they're having that assembly in the movie, right? And it seems just like a normal high school and they go outside and the camera pans around to like the ocean right outside and they have this like boat club and i'm like oh my god i wish that i had a, like a high school life like right on the fucking beach you know what i mean apparently it's a real high school is it really uh at least the inter- interior was but they mentioned everything that i saw was that it was based after a real high school yeah i mean i just i thought it was neat you know and i'm and different and i guess maybe that's more you know prevalent and schools that are around the coast or whatever but i don't know i mean they have a counselor who also is teaching students how to yacht and shit like that i was just like come on now uh but this is trying to like introduce us to sam lombardo to the cops kind of everyone's kind of in the same room mm-hmm. and i in, in that assembly room and literally for the rest of the movie no one else ever is really except for maybe the courtroom scenes yeah uh but in the courtroom scenes the cops aren't in there so i don't know but we of, of course we also we get you know denise richard crush on sam lombardo and and him driving her home and, and then coming upon Susie and us being introduced to Susie and being introduced to the the faux anger between the two denise richards uh, has this great line she's like where'd you get those shiz whores for less you know it's really mean girl it's really stupid and over the top and i kept thinking like when when we get to the van ryans and there's the whole estate and then we get the reveal of sandra van ryan and they're both entering for she's above above in the juliet balcony and they're, they're staring each other down because they both like sam lombardo or whatever i was like oh my god she's playing the exact same character from drop dead gorgeous and i really wish that was kirsty alley up there as her mother <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that was Sam Lombardo <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that would have been fantastic I can totally picture Kirstie Alley doing that too I mean like I don't know Teresa Russell brings a really a, a certain like trashy charm to her role and I mean I, I like the choices that she makes in the movies that she's made she was in a movie called horror for god's sakes you know yeah. um so but yeah I really I love that when the like the the jeep pulls up and she like sort of saunters out and her like brawn panty set negligee yeah, yeah. you know and there's some guy behind her i mean like yeah it was it really does set up a lot and clearly they're the best mother-daughter combo since carrie and margaret so it's i think time at that point skips ahead to the actual car wash that denise richard's character kelly is trying to get from sam it's the whole setup of the rest of the films the catalyst because that's where the supposed rape happens right and we get the hi mr lombardo <laughs> and she sends her friend home and then we get that kind of iconic scene of denise richards you know trying to get the sign off from sam lombardo that she washed the car for the charity thing and um she's just like standing in that living room soaking wet and then there, there's that music motif again ooh, ooh, or whatever. and it's just kind of an iconic moment of the film 
I mean, I agree because it really sets up the rest of the movie. But frankly, I'm watching this as a 41 year old man. And if someone was standing in my house, just like dripping all over everywhere, (laughs) I'd be like, What are you doing? (laughs) Get out of my house, Denise, you're wet. (laughs) Well, you're also a big Mo. That's true. But also, if I were coming to a car wash, I wouldn't even brought my fucking friend if it was Matt Dillon's house. I'd have been just like, you know what? I got this Jeep. It's okay. Yeah, that's right. I'll take this one. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, like, when she when she exits the house, right, I think is another sort of iconic moment because... She, it's that purposeful cut. Yeah. Right? And it's almost like true crime. It's very true crime mm-hmm. reenactments is what it feels like there. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is exactly what it is. This is exactly what it looks like. I mean, I watch that shit all the time. And when she sort of like stumbles out of the house disheveled and like, you know scared angry scared off yes what she looks like and so i'm just like you're right it's totally true crime reenactment and the movie is just like jumps into gear from there like immediately from there the detectives become involved because she tells her mother that she was raped and her mother takes that very seriously as she should and but she seems more concerned that it's sam lombardo can't do that to her you know and less about her daughter and more about jealousy like we said in the synopsis oh my god yeah what does she say her her mom's like my daughter do does not get raped in blue bay oh and that too she's like are you okay do you need a value I'm like oh my god she sounds like my mom i love it <laughs> oh and that's that's how she realized her daughter was there and skipping school is that she heard her shooting uh, shooting skeet outside. Paul! <laughs> God, she was pissed. That's what made me think of Drop Dead Gorgeous, because she's also doing that in that movie. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to watch that movie again. But uh, enter the detectives, Ray Ducat and Gloria Perez, trying to figure out what happened and taking statements and everything else. And eventually, as we go up to the, to the courtroom drama, they do go to the swamp and meet Susie, mm-hmm. who also called them in, having to do with the case, and says that she was also raped and has her kind of iconic, don't touch me scene. Is that where she pulls her fist back, right? So she yeah. Belt the fucking cop. <laughs> it's part of the trailer. They always play that clip. And it's it's kind of a cool moment for her. Uh, as like a cool acting moment, I would say. Well, it really like furthers her character a little bit, right? When she, when she actually calls the cops and they come to her and she's like, no, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. what did she say in that moment? She's like, what, what took you so long? Thank God I wasn't being fucked in the ass or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so random. <laughs> Not the best scripts work at that point in the movie. I don't think maybe, but. I mean, but she, she did well with what she was given. So, I mean. Well, it's also the first hint that she's had some bad blood. I mean, outside of her first kind of like, fuck you, Duquette, you know, getting out of the, the auditorium. But mm-hmm. then there's also kind of another hint that there's some bad blood. Apparently she, he had shot uh, a friend of hers uh, a year previously, at least I think. And so there was a little bit of bad blood there, but this is almost in a way her olive branch and almost, um, almost a way of just opening him up to manipulation to get him part of the, the a part of the story yeah. on purpose. But I think my favorite moments in this movie really happen in the courtroom, right? <laughs> yeah. This movie has everything. It really does. It's <laughs> courtroom drama and it's really tight and efficient in that courtroom drama too. Cause it feels like it's longer than it is, but it's probably just only like five, 10 minutes tops in the whole movie, but everything kind of, you know, builds on the next thing. And it's so much delicious, trashy drama in that courtroom. It's so amazing. 
Well, yeah, I mean, because I, I agree. I feel like, I mean, by the time the courtroom drama starts, it's about like 30 minutes into the movie, you know, and we mm-hmm. barely seen Eve Campbell's character by then. In fact, like I was kind of wrapped up in it and I was like, oh, I forgot she was even part of the movie. Right. Very purposeful, as we find out very shortly. But of course, as soon as she says, well, I, you know, I was mad at him for for not bailing me out of jail and not being my phone call. And she's Kelly's only mad. And doing this because he's fucking her mother. <laughs> and Kelly gets up and says, you skanky bitch. Oh my God. Such a good moment and, in this movie. And throws a glass at her from across the courtroom. And it's so delicious. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite moments from this whole film. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. You skanky bitch. Like, it's just perfect. Just like watching it for that is enjoyment enough. You know? <laughs> But shortly after the courtroom drama and Sam is sort of like, you know, found innocent of his, you know, alleged crimes and he gets a, you know, his settlement payment. Um, we get to this sleazy motel where we get our first real twist where we like learn everything that's sort of going on. Yeah. And it kind of reveals obviously that Kelly and Susie are in on it. They're revealed kind of back to back in the hotel room and they have their like three way sex moment. And that's what all the, you know, our straight brethren are all jacking off to during this film, but can we talk about um, that sex scene for a minute? <laughs> it's a little awkward, a little forced. I need a beer for this talk. It was kind of really uncomfortable for me. Like I felt, <laughs> and I, I had seen it before, you know, I just sort of forgot like how explicit it was. Right. And again, I'm watching this from a grown up perspective and not a teenage perspective. And there are some moments in that I was like, oh my God, it's awkward and super uncomfortable. And I don't know. I couldn't really put my finger on why, you know, like I'm no fucking prude, you know, but mm-hmm. there was just something about when he pushed their two heads together to kiss. And I was just like, oh no, like it left a really bad taste in my mouth. So I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, the whole thing, everyone obviously was comfortable enough, you know, but it's it wasn't made for me. <laughs> I'll just say that. This is true. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I'm so uncomfortable is because I'm not a straight man, right? Like I didn't have some sort of fucking boner watching it, you know? And I'm able to be like, oh, those poor women. And so, I mean, like maybe maybe it's just lost on a gay man. Maybe that's it. At this point, I think Kevin Bacon's character, Duquette, kind of wakes up and is is like, okay, this thing is happening. Either he knew or he didn't know at that point. I don't know when he was started to become involved, but it wasn't until after they had made their initial plans. Yeah. So he's kind of goes goes after them and starts to look into it against the the will of his superiors and uh, kind of threatens Susie because that's the one he knows and um, basically says they're going to kill you for that money. You know, they're you're you're a loose end to them like you're not important, you know. And so she, I, I don't know if she was part of the original plan or she takes a cue and fakes her own death, essentially. Right. But first uh, has that. <laughs> fake pool fight i guess with with (laughs) kelly where they have their another lesbian kiss i I mean i don't know is it supposed to be fake i mean like i i really think that the two characters are probably at odds with each other i mean can you imagine trying to like be part of this like trio doing the scam right eventually susie was pretending to be afraid right for kelly's benefit to give kelly confidence in her position 
Oh yeah, I guess that would be true, right? Because she she mm-hmm. was concocting everything, right? Yep. Well, I mean, Kelly bought it, so <laughs> hook, line, and sinker. I think this is probably my second favorite part in the movie. I do like the courtroom. Yeah, do you like all the lesbian bits? I I mean, I can't help it. I mean, I just do, and I I just I love a good fucking cat fight. You know, I like <laughs> to see two women fight. It just makes me I don't know happy. Not in my pants region, but I mean, I was wondering if it ever like it actually happened because. Uh, I guess Susie like slaps Denise <laughs> Kelly, right? And so yeah. Kelly, like the look on her face was just like, you're dead. It's just so fucking People shit on Denise Richards for this movie, but I felt like she did a great job, honestly, in the key scenes she had. I think Denise Richards always does a good job. I think she's hired to play a certain role and she knows that. And she's like, well, I'm just going to do my best at it. And she always does. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like when she got slapped and they have that fight and then end up making out in the pool, I was just like, I totally buy it. I thought it was fantastic. And we cut over to like Ray creeping in the bushes and shit. And I was just like, what a stalker. Yeah. At that point, you know, I think I think he might have actually been involved right after that, because why else would he have been there with a camera? Yeah. Right. And so I think he was he was set to be involved right after that. But at that point, Susie basically works with uh, Lombardo to fake her own death so that Denise Richards character doesn't know. I don't I don't know uh, what that means as far as were they planning on actually killing off Denise Richards character. I mean, it opens up a lot of questions, you know, I, 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 I like to think that, yes, I think that, I think that Kelly was disposable from the, from the get go, as far as like Susie was concerned, she really just wanted the money, right? Everybody else was disposable, totally. Yeah. Getting some revenge on people like Ray Duquette was just an added bonus, you know? Well, also we know the only reason Lombardo was in, Sam Lombardo was in on this, the, in the first place was because he was being blackmailed by Susie. That's right. He was already fucking Kelly Ryan. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Susie really worked everything out and I loved that pretend death scene, right? Cause it doesn't show anything, but it's still kind of like horrifying, like seeing that giant fucking like wine bottle or champagne bottle lifted into the air. And I know how heavy those motherfuckers are. <laughs> right. And then like, just like seeing the, the, the blood splatter and stuff like that. I thought it was super effective and I, Oh, sickening sound. When, yeah. Yeah. And I you think it actually happened. You do. And that, that's what I was just about to say is that like I was watching this this time and I had completely forgotten almost everything about this movie. And I thought for sure that Susie was dead. And I was just like, I don't remember Nev dying that early in the movie, but here it is. You know, it's really convincing. Well, people have a lot of problems with the amount of twists in this movie, but almost no one sees them coming. That's to the credit of the film. Yeah. I mean, I certainly didn't in this time. Like I was I was shocked. Less shocked about Kelly's death, I think. I mean, like by then, you know, you, you you sort of see like someone or all of them going, right? Yeah. I really thought that Susie was actually dead and then like Kelly was actually dead and that was the whole point of it, you know? I'm all that I remembered at this point was that Kevin Bacon's dick was coming up eventually. Yeah. So at that point, Kevin Bacon's character, uh, Duquette, may still have been in the dark. I'm not sure. But he did go over to Kelly's thinking he was going to try and protect her. I don't know. Maybe he was just trying to play his role in the view of the cops and get out, you know, the, you know, from under the, the cops tracking him by being fired. I'm not sure. It's a little hazy here what <laughs> of whether he's involved here or not yet. But he does go over to Kelly's and there is a kerfuffle and kills her very intentionally. And uh, fakes 
fakes the situation to where he uses her dead corpse hands to shoot him in the, himself in the shoulder and uh, basically just pretend that he was, um, you know, shooting her in self-defense. Yeah, it gets a little convoluted, right, to like sort of piece together everything, especially knowing things that happened in the end credits, right? I kind of think that Ray was involved but solely involved with Sam. Like, I, th- I kind of think that he didn't really... Ray Duquette, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think that Ray was really involved enough to know that the other girls were involved, right? He was just doing what he was supposed to do. I think he really went there to kill Kelly, intentionally. Well, not, because Sam Lombardo was angry at him for killing Kelly. Remember, he said, you shouldn't have killed Kelly, and that's... You know. Oh, yeah, maybe he fucked up the plan, right? Yeah. Like, he was just supposed to go over there and do something else, but... I think he didn't like her, and he wanted her out of the way, and he wanted a bigger share of the money. And he did it himself. I think he was in on it by then. Yeah, that makes tons of sense. You're right. Yeah. She's really actually dead. Uh, we see it later in the credits, you know, but it's one of those things, again, where he exits, and you don't really see what happens. You know, like that that weird procedural, like, true crime type mm-hmm. of situation reenactment, right? Yeah, we just got to leave people guessing for a little bit for a big reveal later on, right? Yeah, and by this point, everyone's kind of fucked off. Sam Lombardo's, you know, off on some island somewhere with his big sailboat that he's bought with part of his money. And uh, he goes back into his little bungalow and, hey, there's someone in the shower. It turns out to be Ray with his penis. (laughs) Okay, so here's what I want to ask you, right? So obviously we have some lesbianism going on in this movie, right? And I, I don't think a lot of it was forced as far as like Sam's hand with these two women. I think that they genuinely created some kind of relationship. I mean, for Susie, obviously not, but I think that- or we're already in one kind of yeah as part of the plan because later on they're shown in the pool doing that too by themselves. But clearly, Kelly and Susie have a relationship on their own. They have sex on their own. I think we're led to believe that they've done that before and many times. Now, Ray being in someone's shower, turning around and being completely okay with another, like, quote-unquote, straight man, just, like, seeing him naked, right? And being like, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't happen in real life. And maybe I'm reaching a little bit, but I kind of feel like Sam and Ray may have had some kind of relationship, right? I don't think you're far off, especially with a little fun fact I might have later on. Oh my God. Yes. Good. And that will give me so much fucking like <laughs> happiness because I was watching the movie and I was just like, these guys are fucking. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I was like, everybody's fucking each other in this movie, fucking each other over and fucking each other under and whatever. It doesn't matter. I was, but everyone is fucking. Sexually and- or otherwise, they're fucking each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I was just like, there's got to be, they've got to be boning. I was like, Sam just can't get enough sex. He'll just fuck whatever. Exactly. Well, that's, that's kind of his thing. Yeah. And so obviously that's the big, the next big twist. Cause at that point, the audience doesn't know that Ray's been involved until later. Right. And, um, you know, and then they're, they're off boating together and, uh, you see that Sam's trying to, to get Ray, you know, <laughs> killed and says, you know, he should have killed Kelly and, and essentially, you know, Turns really quickly and and Ray is thrown off the boat, but saves himself only to be shot by a spear gun <laughs> straight from the from the set of Cassie Two. Another fucking spear gun was it by Cassie the, Two around nineteen ninety eight too? Was that yeah, just like nineteen ninety eight signature? Yeah, actually, yes, it is. I guess so. And so that's twist number three. Is Susie still alive? She's blonde now, wearing a wig, and has shot him to save her buddy Sam Lombardo's life. Yep. Yeah, so Ray Duquette is dead. 
and uh, Susie makes a cocktail for Sam and she reveals to everybody that she truly is a genius because she's talking about mythology. <laughs> she's talking about, yeah, what, what was it? Like Helios or something? Helios, yeah. How did Helios die? And she gives him a pop quiz and the multiple choice and is kind of making fun of him a little bit for you know, sliding through high school and college or whatever on just the athletic scholarship and not really paying attention. And was it a big stick or was it a a boulder or was it a little poison? You know, poison. (laughs) (laughs) And then he falls out too. And she just sails the fucking boat herself because she's a genius. And that's right. She smacked him right in the fucking head. Like she knows her way around the boat already. She doesn't need him for anything. She, you know, man. Yeah. And she had just said, well, I'm not going to kill you. I'd have to learn how to use a boat first. Little does you know, of course, she's already an expert <laughs> in everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that kind of commences the cutscenes. You know, she gets the, you know, the the meeting with Bill Murray, who apparently was at least, you know, brought into it either in the middle or later on by her, by Susie, who knew exactly what was going to happen, and he basically has everything all ready for her. You know, here's all the cash. Here's you know, walking around money and here's actual, you know, everything that you need to to escape and have be a millionaire essentially now and uh be good. <laughs> That's the last thing you tell <laughs> Be good. <laughs> I love that 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 Bill Murray had one last thing to say and that he was basically the last line of the movie. I thought that was great. He really was funny and good in this movie. But yeah, all those cutscenes, man, we're we're like shown everything we didn't see in the movie right and everything is sort of like pieced together for you how do you feel about that i mean would you rather have put those things together yourself no i thought that was fun yeah and me I, too. the fact that i didn't have to wait through the whole credits it was kind of back to back you know yeah. let you breathe and go oh rubble 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 in the theater i guess between each one <laughs> it's about 10 seconds between them. they were quick you know and they they did kind of shed a light on like kind of when and why and where these things kind of happened and it kind of makes it's kind of like the exclamation at the end of the sentence, you know, just making kind of tying everything together for the audience, kind of like just like a little love letter to the audience. You know, they didn't they didn't want to challenge them too much. That knew itself. It was trashy. And it's 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 an airport novel version of a movie. And, you know, it wasn't going to waste anyone's time thinking. Well, I, mean, I think a good mystery or a good suspense movie will like sort of spill the beans and tell you everything that had happened, right? I mean, mm-hmm. at, at the end of really good detective novels, they just spend pages and pages explaining everything you should have already gotten throughout the book, you know? And I think this movie is sort of no different. It, it really just like ties up all the loose ends very nicely, fills in some gaps, and really makes you know the characters better than you did while watching the movie and i really appreciate that yeah it's still kind of unclear exactly at what time things happened you know or when someone was in on it when they weren't you know but that's fine i don't really need that information everything's kind of wrapped up in a pretty bow at the end and that's all i care about really yeah and it's not taking itself too seriously it's all done you know america's home video style (laughs) basically you know (laughs) all you need is bob saget being like look what this guy did (laughs) (laughs) oh she pulled her teeth out yoink right like sound effect (laughs) (laughs) that was one of the best ones in my opinion yes badass i know because like i said earlier i completely forgot and i was watching those end credits and i was like what is she doing 
like, oh my god, I had to look away. I was like, that's so fucking gross. And yeah, lovely. it was like the most horrific moment of the entire movie was during these credits, right? Because uh, she had to leave some some blood and some teeth behind to make it look like she was murdered. And so Lombardo is too much of a pansy to, to actually hit her with a wine bottle or to actually pull the teeth himself. So she takes a swig. She takes some Tylenol, takes a swig or two of, of alcohol. She's already drunk anyway. Pulls the pliers from his hand and pulls out her own teeth. She's such a fucking bad. Oh, for God's sake, I'll do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it, and I respect it. Uh, Have you seen the sequels? Not at all. I have no interest. Yeah, I don't really either. I I mean, like, I I remember when they came out, because I was working at a video store, you know, I remember when these movies came out, and I was just like, well, I'm not watching that. It didn't even look good, you know, so... No, I have no interest. It's just trying to capitalize. Uh, if it had the same cast or like the same director or something was going on or it was showed what was going on with Nev Campbell's character after the fact or something, yeah. maybe I would. But no, it's just trying to capitalize on it, it you know, and create a franchise. Yeah, we're just trying to create like another like direct to video, like sexy movie, you know, yeah. essentially. So Land with Far Time 24, Wild Things. <laughs> <laughs> Land <Before time> 24 <laughs> diamonds in the rough <laughs> anyway so this act this movie actually just on upon further we didn't plan it this way but upon further inspection kind of has the same theme as the previous film that we covered what keeps you alive with the theme of not really knowing who the people closest to you really are that's true i didn't even think about that really and this with Susie in spectacular fashion, not that she's a psychopath or a sociopath, but that she's like kind of a mastermind and that all these, you know, crazy, stupid, violent people, um, she kind of used them to get the, you know, herself into a better situation. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like, so Susie is sort of like this evil genius kind of yeah. thing, right? I don't know and that then- she's necessarily evil, though. She no. Yeah. Well, I was about to say she didn't do any of the killing, except she did. <laughs> she killed both of those guys at the end. Yeah. I mean, she's she's killed people, you know, and I I don't think that she has any qualms about, you know, offing somebody to get what she thinks she deserves or what she wants, right? Um, I think that's the difference between these two characters. Now that you've brought it up, right? So we have Jackie, who I think is kind of an actual psychopath, and we have Susie, which is more of a sociopath, right? So I mean, it's just like different, but I mean, like their end goal is really similar, and they'll do what they can to achieve it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, kind of one of the secondary, tertiary things that people are complaining about in this movie that I've seen are how they treat their women in this movie and i think it kind of ultimately subverts that or like redeems itself uh at the end with how essentially Susie has orchestrated this whole thing and then she's been in charge and the mastermind of it the entire time so i I almost wonder these people aren't watching the whole way through they get tired after the second or third twist they roll their eyes they've you know they have no nostalgia boner for this film and they turn it off without realizing what's actually happening because I think it kind of redeems itself in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're right. Um, if if it had ended with like the guys sort of like being successful or getting all the money and using or, the women to do it, yeah, to do it, yeah, I think that would have been worse. I really like that it does sort of redeem itself, especially like given how awkward that sort of sex scene was. You really want one of these women to come out on top. Well, she took least. advantage of his confidence and used it against him. Yeah. You know, he was very sexist in the way he was handling Susie, Sam Lombardo, as as well as the other one. 
threatening her directly and pushing her up against the wall. She let them do that to think that they were in, in control when she was the entire time. And that really is empowering, I think. Yeah. And I'm, I kind of like the idea of a woman like using her like sexual wiles or whatever to like, you know, get, get what she wants to do, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I like the ending of the movie. I like that Susie's like sort of comes out on top and she's like revealed to be the mastermind of everything. I think it's fantastic. Cause I, honestly, I think she's probably like the next most likable character after like Detective Perez. So, I mean, it works out. Yeah. Well, I've got some fun facts for you. Lamb on me. I'm super ready. Okay. So for my first fun fact, Kevin Bacon described the script as the trashiest thing he had ever read. But every few pages, there was another surprise. So he ultimately executive produced it. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Wait, did he like plan his penis to be in there? Uh, No, actually. So that's coming up. Okay. Hold your horses. (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. was the first choice for the role of Sam Lombardo. Oh. Not Matt Dillon. That ultimately went to, of course, Matt Dillon. But Downey was considered because of his highly publicized drug problems. And although he was in recovery, he was seen as too great of an insurance risk. Yeah, I kind of remember that period of time being like Robert Downey Jr. free because he was just like not not hireable. Nope. I I don't know that how I would have liked that. I think Matt Dillon did a very great job here. Yeah, I agree. I think Matt Dillon is incredibly sexy, right? Although kind of caveman sexy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. He's got he's got a very pronounced brow and jaw or whatever. I mean, he's like, but like, I don't. Kind of pro mag sexy. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. has this like self-deprecating charm to him, and just not mean Sam Lombardo. It's not the same, you know. He is a very very talented actor and could have probably done an amazing job, but. I can't imagine it. Yeah. So I'm just happy the way it turned out. But Me too. So for my next fun fact, director John McNaughton told Entertainment Weekly that at her first audition, Denise Richards was good, but not so good we had to hire her. But when she came back for a second audition, she was a lot better. She'd obviously thought about the character, which we took as a good sign that she could do the role. Then he added, if worse came to worse... We knew she'd be beautiful and was willing to be nude. Oh, my God. (laughs) So he was on the fence with her acting ability to begin with. But at the end of the day, she's going to be pretty and naked. That's right. She's going to show her titties. And that's really all we need. That is terrible. Oh, my God. So Kevin Bacon said in an interview that he and the other cast members had trouble keeping track of the lies and the twists in the script. So to determine their motivation in each scene, the cast had to gather with their director, the writers, the producers to establish the sequence of events. And they'd sit in rehearsals trying to piece together what was going on in the script, who they were lying to about what. And it just gets so complicated that they'd have to stop and rest. (laughs) Oh my God, it was too hard for you to like get (laughs) (laughs) oh my shit so next up denise richard's lawyer negotiated a detailed contract about how much nudity would be filmed including the option to use a body double richards didn't use a body double and filmed the scene herself after drinking a pitcher of margaritas with nev campbell in her trailer nev's contract had a strict no nudity clause though i was trying to remember i mean 
um, I was thinking about the sex scenes, and I remember Denise Richards being nude, but I could not remember Nev Campbell no. being nude. And I was just like, oh my God, how did that happen in this movie? But there we go. No, she, uh, I think Nev Campbell did it later on a, in a later film uh, that I read, but I've never seen it and who cares. But yeah, it just turned out that way. And um, they apparently they went to her trailer and just drank a whole pitcher of margaritas and, and I think a bottle of wine, depending on the source. <laughs> And then they all did the scene together. So they were all super nervous about it. They didn't, you know, feel comfortable. And so that kind of comes across in the, in the scene, but like to your note, but um, that's how it happened. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so just know that they're all drunk on margaritas. I mean, if you're going to have a threesome, a margarita has to be involved. Come no. on. <laughs> so director John McNaughton said he deleted a scene that would have shown Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon showering together. But yes! cut it because it was too gratuitous. What? <laughs> That's where he draws the line. Apparently. <laughs> you know what? Fuck y'all. Like, really, if we're going to have, like, faux lesbianism in the movie, we might as well have some, like, two men showering together. Come on, 98. You could have done it. All right. Well, they kind of redeemed themselves because Kevin Bacon also had a no nudity clause in his contract, but without giving it much thought. He allowed McNaughton to use the shot that he thought looked best, and a moment of frontal nudity was included in the film, obviously. So he was surprised by how many questions he got about it from the American press junket and noted that the European press junket didn't ask about it at all. <laughs> Later, in 2015, he shot a comedic Free the Bacon PSA, encouraging more male actors to do full frontal movie scenes, doing the Lord's work, really. I mean, God bless you, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> of course, America. My God, we're such prudes. Like, really... I mean, the fact that we're calling a movie that has, like, I mean, we talk about the sex in Wild Things. It's really kind of tame compared oh, to, yeah. like, the amounts, of, the amounts of porn that people watch, you know what I mean? And we're calling it tawdry and whatnot, you know? I'm, come on now. Europe, Europe's got it going on. They know. Just dicks <laughs> aplenty in their movies. Shit. Yeah. Well, that's the most they, so they show is male nudity. The only other nudity they show in the film is just a, a quick full frontal from Denise Richards. And some True. some light lesbian kissing and over the sweater action, that's yeah, basically really it. Like the 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 most hardcore thing in this film is Kevin Bacon's penis, Ugh. and they were going to have Matt Dillon's penis too. So somewhere on the cutting room floor in Hollywood, there is a scene with both of them showering together. So I will get on my hands and knees <laughs> on that cutting room floor, and I will find it. I will find that snippet. <laughs> okay. So, filming in the Everglades proved very difficult due to severe weather conditions. A tornado almost crushed a couple of their trailers, and McNaughton said production had to be halted, and the police called when a real dead body floated into view before shooting a scene. The police were called, and they anchored it out of the shot. They took the time to anchor this dead body in the Everglades out of the shot of the camera, only to be removed after they were done shooting. Priorities. They didn't... (laughs) No, the police took the time to anchor the to float this body oh out of the around the corner and like let's just like zip tie it to this tree over here while they finish shooting before we do all of our forensics and stuff. Oh my god. Florida. I mean <laughs> come on. God, could you imagine being like Kevin Bacon and Nev Campbell just like doing their scenes and then a dead body floats by? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, if they couldn't get the script just by reading it and they had to like take a break, you know, I mean, they probably, uh, is that a prop? <laughs> <laughs> What's this? Should I just act around it? <laughs> nice. So for my last one, okay. in the original draft of the screenplay, the object Kelly is holding underneath the towel in the threesome scene wasn't a bottle of champagne as seen in the film, but a giant dildo. <laughs> oh, I wish I would have seen that. <laughs> Just reveals it was a big floppy dick. Yeah. <laughs> because at that point, Susie's not in the picture yet, right? So no. she just shows up with a fucking dildo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would have been gold. <laughs> Please. I kind of need to see like an uncut version of this movie now, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Or at least some bloopers. <laughs> For real. Oh my god, those were really fun. And after last week's episode, having no fun facts, you really just like struck the mother low with that one. Right? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Dildos and dead bodies aplenty. But we have some questions to ask about wild things like we do for every movie that we deep dive into. And we'll start with, is Wild Things a horror movie? You know, there's like some, obviously there's thriller elements. There's, you know, erotic thriller elements. There's <laughs> some weird slashery type of stuff going on. There's, I feel like there's enough Venn diagram going on here to say it's very, very lightly horror. Yeah. At the very least, genre, right? I think yeah. we could use that that word to describe it. Sure. Um, I don't, I don't know about horror so much. Yeah, like I mean, there, there, there are some moments, you know, like like we talked about with the, the wine bottle and things like that, um, and definitely ripping someone's teeth out yourself is kind of horrific. Mm-hmm. So, but I kind of err on the not horror side for this one. It doesn't well, make it less suspenseful, but it's definitely flirting with with adjacency. You know, we do yeah. use the word adjacent, and I would say this is certainly horror adjacent. Yes, it is certainly horror adjacent. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you scared while watching Wild Things? No, I mean not for your like like immortal soul or anything like that. Was no, it, there's some edge on your seat moments, maybe. No. But and it's certainly never boring. <laughs> no, it is not. I wasn't scared no. really. I don't. I mean, I I didn't find a lot of it that intense. You know, I like the twists, yeah. but yeah, I wasn't scared. You skanky bitch. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've said that in real life already. Yeah. Uh, so, out of five stars, what would you rate Wild Things? Well, I have written my letterboxed review and it has four stars attached to it okay what is the review how can something be so dumb and yet so surprising at the same time (laughs) perfectly cast excellently scored and with a tone set with surgical precision wild things is a deliciously trashy roller coaster that ultimately brings home the bacon (laughs) with a capital b yeah (laughs) uh four stars is good i think it's a good rating i um originally when i watched it the other day gave it three stars and i don't know why i was just like oh i i didn't really enjoy myself all the way through it really and uh, yeah i don't know i I had a smile on my face the entire time i part of it's nostalgia i'm sure but honestly i just it was such a fun weird dumb ride that i was i just had fun the whole time and i couldn't give it any less ultimately though i went back and i raised it up a half star which i do from time to time right because i was thinking about the movie and i was like you know what the cast is so 
fucking great <laughs> and the music is good and the movie has an excellent tone and i was just like i mean like i i, I could not just like give it a three stars and, and walk away from that it deserved a little bit more you know and i think that i might be watching this movie again um later on down the road and that always plays a factor in my rating system so sure. i mean maybe later on it might bump it up a little bit but this is only the second time i've seen this movie and um it was it was good I was kind of hoping for a little bit more. I think I was hoping for a little bit more trash. I don't know. I can't even like say why. Yeah. Uh, but finally, and maybe most importantly, who's the hottest guy in Wild Things? Well, I'll tell you right now that it's Eduardo Yanez as Frankie Kondo. <laughs> <laughs> is that why you put his name in the castle? Yes. <laughs> I was just like, why did he part? list him? I know he took two. He had like two lines. I was like, why did he put him in there? I was like, I almost foresaw your choice. He was really fucking hot. Oh, yeah. And he he showed dominance on Matt Dillon, who would be the number two. For me, it's Matt Dillon, like all the way. I think Matt Dillon is just like super caveman sexy. Well, and my hottest guy pick would kick your hottest guy pick's ass. So... That's fine. You know what? I would probably have a threesome with both of them anyway, <laughs> so it true. doesn't matter. They could pop that bottle and pour it all over my breasts. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I think that just about wraps up our conversation on Wild Things. And like always, we would like to know what you think about this movie. Head over to social media. You can find us at The Film Flamers on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or... Call our hotline and get in touch with these wild thing podcasters. Let your voice be heard at 972-666-7733. We're standing by. <laughs> you skanky bitch. <laughs> uh, if you can't get enough of the film flamers, please head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers to find all of our bonus content this month in June. We talked about a movie that had a lot of penises, not just one Kevin Bacon dick, but many, <laughs> many dicks. <laughs> and that is Sebastian. So check that out. It is the one and only film that was filmed entirely in Latin and it is a historical gay film. So you need to go and check that out. So we're on our Patreon page. And lastly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, give us a five-star review. It's really going to help us out. It helps people find us and we'll read your review on our next Shooting the Flames episode. Well, you skanky bitch. <laughs> I think it's Don't just about touch time. me. <laughs> Don't touch me. <laughs> I'm so glad it took you so long to get here. What if I was getting fucked in the ass or something? <laughs> Such dialogue. Where'd you get those headphones? Horse for less. <laughs> oh. I think it's time for us to go off and have some wild dreams. Wild things. I was going to say dreams, but hey, you know what? At least we started right. <laughs> well, let's do it. Wild, wild dreams. dreams. We cannot time that correctly. We're going to save our lives when we're not we recording together. Uh, you skinky bitch. <laughs> Be good. No promises. <laughs> A little poison. <laughs>